You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Hey, Jesse. Hey. Well, so how are you? Fine. Okay. Uh, you sound like you're in a mood. Yeah. Obviously. Okay. Did you see the last post on Instagram? Uh, our post? Uh, if you want to call it that. I didn't agree to it, but whatever. Hmm. I thought we had an understanding that we could do sort of what we each wanted with our Instagram account, Jesse. I guess. But I thought we were on the same page. But apparently we aren't. All right. Could you tell me what you're talking about? Uh, first off, what's up with this Washington meme that you put up here? Like the first president? Yeah. It's making, first off, George Washington, old white man. Ew. Second off, it's making jokes about putting dollar bills in strippers' thongs. All right, what happened to Jesse? Uh, hello? Don't you understand the microaggressions that strippers go through every single day when they go to work? They literally, literally deal with eye rape all the time. Oh, man. Eye rape. Eye rape? But not physical, actual rape, right? Uh, does it matter? And anyways, why are we giving dollar bills to strippers? Why not just give them to homeless, transgendered children? I mean, come on. Do you okay. even care? Do you even care about those people? Jesse, are you a little too woke? Honk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Oh man, well that was uh, interesting. I'm glad that's not the real you. And then also, hey everybody, glad to be back. This is Maddie from the Voluntary Vixens podcast, here with, you know, the right amount of woke, Jesse is my co-host. Yeah, I've probably spent a little too much time in Indianapolis, I think. <laughs> Rubbed off on you. Yeah. If you saw any of those pictures on our Instagram, you'll understand what I mean. But it sounds like you had fun and you went to Skank Fest a couple weeks ago. I did. So for anybody listening that doesn't know what Skankfest is, no, it's not just like a big slut walk. Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it does sound it, bad. It does sound a bit bad. Like I was explaining it to my dad and he's like, what? I was like, ah. uh, we aren't actual skanks. It's a podcast and it's a comedy festival and it's good fun all around. You'd actually enjoy it, dad. It's not just a bunch of skanks or like, you know, affectionately termed skanks. We might be. But yeah, so I was there a couple weekends ago. It was so much fun. I was with my sister and her friend. And we were about the only, maybe one of two actual female groups there, like in attendance. The other girls that were there and maybe under 10, actually in attendance, 10 or 12, I'd say. <laughs> we were the only, because everybody else, all the other girls there were there with their boyfriend or their husband or whatever, but... Yeah, it felt pretty cool to be, like, just this female group there and not offended by any of the humor, whether it was by any of the skanks themselves, any of their guests, or by... Louis C.K.? Surprise guest Louis C.K.! I wish I could have uh, been there. Ugh. It was unreal, like, rock star status stuff. 
And apparently, after listening to Dave Smith's podcast that happened, or that he recorded right after Skankfest, it sounded like he, even he didn't know that they were, that he was coming, that others didn't even know that he was coming. He might not have even gotten paid for his appearance there. It really seemed very authentically underground, and, you know, he is a comedian trying to come back on the scene after his fall from grace, realized that there was this comedy fest going on, that there might actually be people receptive to hearing him because he's a comedic legend and the fact that he did some weird stuff in front of women didn't ask the women to do it for them for him didn't force the women to do it for him he literally asked permission and they gave them permission that's and they admit that in the article that was written that put him down it's amazing he asked (laughs) for their consent as as we would like you know us being voluntarists and they gave him their permission I don't have any time for anybody, like, talking about, oh, well, he was in a place of power. Again, go back to see our episode on how crazy I think it is that people infantilize women. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so good to be back. And actually, we'll kind of both be hitting the road again (laughs) soon, or at least I will be. I'll be in a foreign country. As we mentioned before, I'll be heading to Scotland. Yeah. Scotland. Scotland and Ireland where I will never use these accents because they are terrible and I realize that's And they'll make fun of you for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More so for attempting to do these accents than actually being an American. Probably. Maybe. Maybe. I am excited for you. I wish I could go, especially now, because it's, like, so hot outside right now. Anywhere that would be north of here would be nice, I think. Oh, God, it's going to be freezing there, apparently. We've great. got friends over there now. I've been looking at the weather. It's cold, so I'm packing, like, no shorts, no short sleeves, and all layers. Yeah. Unlike last night, guess where I... Did I tell you where I was last night? No, I don't think so. So last night, I went into the swamp itself. Oh, God. But no, no, I wasn't there for to attend the demand free speech or any of that crazy rally that happened yesterday downtown between the Proud Boys and DC Antifa. Saw some videos. We were there to celebrate my mom, who's a badass, for having a fantastic year at work, and her boss, who's a man, or I guess, well, yeah, they're all men, whatever. She was acknowledged by them that she did such a great job. They footed the bill on this really crazy expensive restaurant. Oh, side note, what drove me nuts is that this restaurant is empty because Congress is not in session and or like it's completely dead when Congress is not in session and the fact that I didn't even see this actually I did see the prices on the menu but to know that these congressmen and women are there eating on our dime every single day it's like nah dollar menu only for you people yeah especially since they don't even know how to do a good job so most of them at least it's one of those things where I battle with the the utilitarian argument where a lot of libertarians that are more Milton Friedman and Hayek are on the, oh, well, government is bad because they can't do anything right and it's inefficient and which all of this is true. It's very true. It's just part of it. It's like also the underlying lack of morality that they that the whole system encompasses and that's my biggest issue with mm-hmm. it. Not just the fact that they're incompetent morons and I don't trust them to decide which way the proper method is to tie your shoes. But yeah, anyway, that was getting me pretty fired up just thinking about it. But 
was able to disconnect and actually enjoy the moment <laughs> with my family and friends. Which is kind of what we're talking about today, actually. Rightly so. Right. I was in Indianapolis last weekend, and every year, me and my girlfriends from high school, we try to get together at least once a year. And this time we went up to Indianapolis because one of my really good friends lives up there and she is a liberal. (gasps) Oh no. I had total intentions of doing an interview with her to talk about this, this particular topic about how to get along with people who disagree with politically, because we've been friends since high school and we've gone through a lot of changes, but yet we still, you know, we still enjoy each other's company. We still get along with each other, but while I was up there, we just, it it got to, first off, I forgot all my equipment, so I'd have to buy a microphone. But second off, we just got, we just were so wrapped up in having fun that we just decided to just enjoy each other instead of, you know, make a podcast about it. And one of the things I definitely took away from my trip to Indianapolis and my friend who's a liberal is that we all definitely live in our own little bubbles because she lives in what I would call and what most people call like a gentrified neighborhood. Triggered. Yeah, she's definitely a a hipster. She even made jokes about, you know, just if you go down a couple blocks there, you can get all the hookers and meth you ever could want. Which all of them, all of them, please. And I will tell you, that's exactly what I did. I got all the hookers and meth I ever wanted, which is zero. (laughs) We enjoyed the time there. She lives in a really cute little house. It's definitely really close to downtown, but with that comes like a lot of that, the ideas that are encompassed in that neighborhood. You see a lot of rainbow flags everywhere. You see a lot of pride stuff. It was definitely pride month when we were there. So it was even more so all over the place. Mm-hmm. We went into a, a couple shops that she likes to go to. It was all like t-shirts that said, you know, in rainbows, like Indianapolis loves you and things like that. Obama, Michelle Obama books, Mm. Ruth Gator Ginsburg mugs, you know. So it was clear to me that we were, you know, in that bubble (laughs) where Mm -hmm. I'm from Tennessee and I have, I live in my own special bubble, which is very different from her bubble. So it made me realize a lot of times that we come to the decisions that we, we come to a lot of times because of the environment that we live in. We the people we hang out with, the friends that we choose to associate with. It's on on top of the news we choose to partake in, our family values. So it did, it made sense to me looking at all of that. Like, this is why my friend thinks this way. And that probably has a lot to do with, you know, where I come from is why I lean in the direction I lean, even though we did talk about some politics together. One thing that I noticed that she said is that she's always been a Democrat. And that will never change. And I just said to her, well, I was a Democrat, then I was a Republican, now I'm a Libertarian. (laughs) And that, like, blew her mind. Really? That somebody would change their mind three times. (laughs) Yeah. So. I mean, you were presented with new information, you took it in, you considered it, and you were able to make your own decision as to which party, which ideology, which set of beliefs and core principles you were going to stick with yeah imagine that i do wonder sometimes though because we live in a we we definitely it feels like i will say it may have always been this way but it feels like we are very divided in this country between like the left the right democrats versus republicans and then there's those of us who are you know 
libertarians or voluntarists, whatever you want to call yourself, anarchists, we don't, where do we fit in with all of that, you know? I don't know. I kind of feel like some days I'm sitting on the sidelines of the weirdest reality show ever thought of and that I kind of can't really fully get into either camp. I mean, yeah, I kind of am able to be on the right more easily than finding myself on the left and it's the left it's not they're not liberal they're actually very illiberal and that's why I can't find Mm -hmm. myself over there it's like freedom of choice but then you're also not allowed to choose anything for yourself in a certain degree of what they're currently purporting and what they believe in and you know what they're marching for right endlessly like they've got all the time in the world to just march for the rights that they can't specify that they don't know anything about in terms of what they actually want or think they need to demand because that they think we don't have as women. Right. But I mean, I think it's probably always been pretty divided, but the fact that we're able to, well, you know, I think why it matters. And I think we've talked about this before is why it matters. Almost like what, people's specific opinions are on very specific topics is because it's become a national conversation, a national decision for all of these very, what should be localized decisions, what should be localized issues and problems to resolve together as a community. But when it kind of gets pushed to the national level and uh, it all becomes such like a matter of force being required to make 50% of the country do one thing or 50% of the country not be able to do another like that they might be that they might want to do mm-hmm. it's it it uh, drives up the animosity that we might feel towards another I, I mean I certainly feel it like it really hurts me when I know a friend that might support a policy or a stance that if I were to not ab- abide by it I would be thrown in a cage. Yeah. And it's like, I, 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 you know, it's something that I try to work on and I take it a little personally, but it's also like, that is, it's not, I'm not being overly dramatic. Like that is what the reality and the end game actually would be. Mm -hmm. So like if I, so if the majority ended up getting this bill passed that the 49% of the country disagreed with, but 51% of it did, I mean, we could talk about the flaws of democracy there. Oh, yeah. Where the minority is actually not being protected. But it's like the the result of that 49% being forced to do something that they didn't want to do. And which would have been, by all means, probably within their human individual rights to do. It's just like, of course we're divided. And of course the tribalistic nature has really entrenched itself in these different groups. Yes, I think that, like what you said, especially is like when the problem I think I have with the left is the same as you. Like the Democrat or the conservatives, they're fine with like on a state level, let's pass this abortion bill because in our state, we don't want abortions to be legal. But where the the liberals come in they were they're like no we want the entire nation to all feel the exact same way and have the exact same laws as what i want them to be so we want 
there to be like a unified nation that all agrees that abortion is fine. In fact, let's just have abortions right at the moment of birth. You know, we want everybody to agree with us on that. And that's the problem I have is that, and I'm not saying this about every liberal because I know that's not true, but I'm just saying, you know, that's, that is the, but that is the liberal, whether you know this or not, liberal liberals, that is what your, your party wants. Unfortunately, it has, it has, it's like the party of the left, which I don't know, maybe it's, it, it's got a, it, even if you look at it historically, it, it's not really been a pretty, pretty party, but they definitely do everything to whitewash that literally and cover up any dirty laundry that they have. You know, including that the fact that the KKK is actually was from the Democratic Party. Know that there know that there wasn't this big switch. If you actually look at the stats and who quote unquote switched parties, it was one person at the time of the civil rights movement. But it's like this Woodrow Wilson. I think even Teddy Roosevelt, like progressivism, that requires everybody, like you said, to get in lockstep, unified thought one opinion and everybody has to follow it whether it's here at home or even abroad it really like reflects in our foreign policy as well that everybody has to abide by what the in power majority decides right right down to things like you know what kind of bathrooms you should have and how you label your bathrooms to you know can women go to school i think they should yeah, I think the problem I have is that instead of erring on the side of more freedom, there's a big push on the left to make everybody, they want everybody to think the same and believe the same. And the thing that I don't like about the left is that they, if they can't get government to do it, they'll use the mainstream media to make it, to enforce it. They'll use social media, they'll use Google to push that viewpoint. They're ironically very anti-corporation, and yet they're so willing to use these corporations to get their their bottom line across. Right. And it's just, it's the cronyism that they say that they are against, and it's literally them using it. And I totally understand the human instinct and the human capability of doing just that, but it's like, that is very scary. It's... Everything that they say that they are against, it's them utilizing those tools, and it's like that's a, it leads to a very scary world, but also like a very scary reactionary movement on the right, who the right, like their issues are that they do understand kind of that government shouldn't be involved in all of these things, and it should be localized, and it should be definitely like brought back to the family as often as possible, very conservatively, but... It's also like when they are, they're, you know, a little bit too pro-military in that they're ready to defend these interventions abroad where we have no right to be there. We, sh- we shouldn't be telling everybody what to do. The yeah. The way that we could be the, the way that, you know, we're supposed to be the, the beacon on the top of the hill. The light, the light that shines and the example that everybody should want to follow, not like bullying everybody and, you know, bombing for peace. That doesn't really make sense. Hasn't worked for the past century and a half or however long we want to go back. Well, that's true for sure. Because, and I think that may, that's one of the reasons why I can't be uh, a Republican 
right now for sure because the Republican idea, they're not they aren't consistent with their principles either at all. I mean, like we were just talking about with the corporations like Google and Facebook, you know, controlling free speech. Well, they're they want government to take over those corporations and break them apart because they view them as monopolies. You know, a lot of conservatives will disagree with Elizabeth Warren on a lot of issues, but on that issue, they agree. And I think that's scary. Oh, yeah. When both sides agree on something. (laughs) But, you know, I don't think I think that I had talked with I remember me and Cam had a conversation about this. And Cam is the he's the host of uh, Make Liberty Great Again podcast. We talked about this. He even mentioned, you know, he's not worried about Facebook having that much power because he thinks that eventually it will fall apart on its own, which I hope he's right about that because it, something like that, anything that has that much power needs to fall apart for sure. So I'm not really sure what the answer is, but I do think that, you know, if you've ever, if you guys listen to the latest part of the problem with Laura Loomer, they, uh, Dave Smith interviews Laura Loomer and then she talks about, they both talk about how much Facebook and Google have, met not just with our government, but with people from other governments and also political organizations like CARE who try to lobby Congress for different things. And they've they've literally lobbied, CARE for sure, lobbied with um, Twitter to have Laura Loomer completely banned. I think it's dangerous when we have corporations that are that powerful that they can just unperson people and also... It's dangerous in my mind, too, that you want to completely silence one side of the issue, but you amplify another side of the issue. Like, why is Antifa still allowed on Twitter and Facebook? And they're allowed to literally, and I'm not, I'm using the word literally this time in the right context. They will, mm-hmm. they, they will make appointments to meet up at specific places to attack speakers and to attack counter protesters. I mean, if that's not a call for violence, I don't know what is, but they're allowed to still be on those platforms and use those platforms to commit violence. I mean, just last week when I was in Indianapolis, they attacked Andy No, who's a, he's a liberal as far as I understand. And he's also a gay Asian. So he had, he meets all the check marks for all the social justice warriors to depression Olympics. He's like champion. Or he should be. He should be protected. He's a protected person, mm-hmm. but they they almost they they put him in the hospital with a brain bleed because he dared to show show the world what they are, which is I mean, terrorists. Yeah, homegrown domestic terrorists. And a lot of people say that they are anti-fascist, but that they act like fascists. But I think that if we're going to be really specific about Antifa, they are communists. And if you really want to be specific about what fascism is, fascism is just one, one degree different from what, so, what communism is. So essentially, they're about the same. It's just like a different method of communism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is basically what communism turns into because you have to have a centralized government and it's one central leader in order to make everybody come under that umbrella. It's like, it's a system that keeps eating itself. Yeah. Because let me... Because eating its people. You have to do it that way because communism is not a natural system. People do not Mm -hmm. naturally gravitate towards that type of system. 
And they don't naturally gravitate towards fascism either because everybody kind of wants to have their own individual rights anyways. So you have to have some type of government and some form of leadership that's going to squash that idea. Well, yeah. And it's going to be very violent. And, yeah, and you have to, it has to be violent because people will do not naturally want to do that. Force is the only way the entire system will be propped up by very violent force, mm-hmm. which neither of us, no, nobody on either side should want. And they say that they don't want it. You know, love's supposed to trump hate and, you know, they're supposed to stop all hate and we're supposed to get along with our neighbors. And, but I think like we let these voices that are outside of ourselves get in our heads and tell us that the other person is evil they're racist they are yep wrong they're it doesn't matter and it's like it sends people to the streets right now we're seeing it right now like it's sending people to the streets to beat the living crap out of each other yes i think that's the thing is like you were saying in order to squash a person's everybody's individuality and their will and their ability to speak for themselves you have to have violence you have to push that down and what I see a lot of happening online and in, and whenever, you know, my husband is liberal, he will, he stopped for, he stopped, thank God, but he used to watch MSNBC and it would, I noticed a change in him when he would watch MSNBC, he would be more political. He tried to talk to me about politics and he'd be a lot more just anxious and angry Because, I mean, all that, I mean, I would just be in there for just a few minutes listening to it. And it's all about how Trump supporters are awful people. They're misogynists. They're bigots. They're racists. They're Nazis. And when, I mean, those are not flattering words to talk about somebody else. In fact, those are people that, yeah, if you, if somebody really is a misogynist, if they really are a bigot, if they really are a Nazi, yeah, you don't want those people around and it would make you uncomfortable. So if you're pointing out that everybody who voted for Trump is a blanket these things, you're going to have violent thoughts about them. That's just a natural thing that's going to happen. It's tapping into the natural like fear and yep. human nature and oh, they're not part of my team. And what do you do to somebody in nature that's not part of your team? You have to, you're going to be defensive against them and or go on the offensive because you're so afraid of them coming to attack you, which you know, people before Trump getting into office, they were like, oh, they're going to round up the gays. They're going to send everybody to concentration camps. And it's like, no, that's not happening. People that are going to, quote unquote, AOC's concentration camps are people that are <laughs> not supposed to be coming into the country and have seen plenty of evidence of reasons why they shouldn't because it's so dangerous. It's not a good time. Like, you know, they bring their kids still. And it's just like, I sympathize with people that want to escape their awful lives in countries that we've helped destroy. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get it. It's just, it's not helping anybody for us to kind of let other voices. I, I've stopped listening. I've stopped watching the news. I've stopped listening to any talk radio. I, it, it's because, I don't know, I can't stand. I've got my own degree of, my. I've got my own blind spots I constantly work on. I've got my own probably degree of arrogance that I know I need to always combat but it's like I can't it's not, I have a hard time dealing with other people's that everybody thinks they're so right whether on their they are on the right or the left but you know it tends to be mainstream every everywhere you go everywhere you listen to every channel you listen to it's all dominated by the left and it's like so maybe Trump is in power maybe he's the president and he represents quote unquote the right side mm-hmm. not like correct side but like the right side 
but it's like, you know, the culture is dominated by everybody on the left, and thus, those big companies are able to deplatform and take people off that don't agree with them, that are on the right, whatever degree they might be on the right. Whether they're, like, completely nonpartisan truth-to-power voices, because, oh no, like, they're actually, people actually do realize, like, who is in power and are more concerned about following the money and the scary nature of bipartisanship in in Washington, like deep state level stuff. But it's like the culture is permeated right now by these left wing beliefs that and uh, left wing ideologues that get to scream and shout and cover up for the violent Antifa members. Yeah, that's the scary part. It's it's very scary. I find like I, this is what I don't understand. I think is I, I hear a lot about Charlottesville. And, you know, look what happened at Charlottesville. They keep bringing that up. But Antifa has something that happens, like, every other week. And, uh, yeah. I mean, no, they haven't killed anybody yet, but they almost have. Yet. And it's not like they're not trying. Yeah. There's actually a guy that they did attack, a Jewish man, an elderly Jewish man, who was leaving a, a, a Gavin McGinnis-type oh, yeah, yeah. talk. And he ended up, they beat him so bad he almost had a heart attack. Or he did have a heart attack. What am I talking about? But they brought him back. And, I mean, I hope he's doing better now. But, I mean, they could have killed that man. That, that, and what, what I found very sad about that whole situation is it's not just the man that almost died that's the victim of that. I find that the people who, you know, almost killed him and could have literally put you put in in jail for the rest of their life for attempted murder. Those people are also the victims because they're young. A lot of these Antifa members are young. They're in their early 20s. And they are at an impressionable age where mm-hmm. if, if all they do is consume this one side, which is very, I'm sorry, but it's very violent stuff that they're talking about. I mean, it's just they're inciting violence against a group of people and they're dehumanizing them. They hear that in their head constantly. They... Are, they act out on the things that they are being programmed into into their head, and then they put themselves in jail and they ruin their own lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're victims too. So, and I think what's so hard, I guess, for you and I, because we're not we're we're not Republicans or Democrats, and we're not left or right. You know, we have there's aspects of our belief system that are would be considered left and right at the same time. So we find ourselves in the middle of all this watching this chaos and, you know, it's like, what do you even do with it, with this stuff? You know, it's hard to get either side really to listen because I know this happened to me and my mom. We were talking about Iran. This is before Iran shot the drone down, but my mom was trying to tell me how we definitely need to get involved in Iran. I mean, there's definitely something going on there and, you know, it's good that Trump is going to send troops over there and Ugh. I disagreed with her and she was like you sound like an Obama liberal now Whoa. so you know it happens to us though I mean I'm sure it's happened to you Definitely. like whenever you say something that is like classic libertarian principle philosophy you're going to be attacked no matter what because <laughs> we are so divided that we have these these ideas belong on this side, this idea belongs on that side, and there's no way, it's so hard for people to use any logic and think, well, maybe two things can be right at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, it's really unfortunate 
that it's being hyped up to this really unsafe level and the violence is already taking to the streets and but it's like these are all issues that can be resolved peacefully and i think the biggest issue is that like i mentioned earlier is that it's all because these things are being brought to this national level and they cannot be there and if it is i think it's the nation is too big and too diverse for everybody to, to follow the same exact codes of conduct you know i mean once upon a time and think about it when the united states of america were made into the united states of america it was from 13 colonies it was from 13 little you know own separate individual states that came together and said we're going to remain separate and rule ourselves rule over ourselves but we're also going to cooperate in as a nation mm-hmm. together and you know we'll have our differences but we want to be able to behave with the rest of the world interact with the rest of the world as a unit and we want to be able to kind of if if needed ever have each other's backs against the rest of the world but we're all going to be friends despite our differences and but like so 13 states has morphed into now there's 50 states and obviously the population is who knows however many fold but um yeah we've got a population of at least 330 something million that are known and documented but there's probably tons more people in here and it's like we've it, it can't we can't all be forced to live under the same crazy rules like these morons in washington like i said before all decide for the rest of us and really like they get to go have $30 salads for lunch on our dime and probably drink themselves into a stupor before they go back and vote for, vote away our freedoms. Yep. And vote for us to aggress on our neighbors, vote for, whether it's like here domestically, vote for us to aggress against people abroad. And it's like, that has nothing to do with the individual people of this country. And those people that do believe in all that, I mean, please go. Please go somewhere else. Get out. That's why I believe in secession. Amen. I believe that we should allow people to leave the union if they want to leave. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally in favor, for sure, of, like, you know, California and New York, if they want to secede from the union and and do whatever they – and live in a communist paradise, then they can if they want to, or whatever paradise they want to live in. I'm totally cool with that if that's what they want to do. But I don't want them trying to come over and tell me who lives in Tennessee in the Bible Belt, you know, how I need to live my life. I don't want that at all. So that was the whole point of the of what you were just saying is the, you know, we were we're all supposed to be our own our each state has their own government, has their own laws, and of course we all agree to cooperate as a nation under certain laws and restrictions but for the most part we uh should be okay with allowing each state to have their own individual laws about certain things like the fact i don't to this day do not understand why people were so up in arms with new york wanting to basically commit infanticide while they were pissed off at Alabama for basically saying no abortions after a heartbeat is heard on on, on ultrasound. Do I like the laws in New York? No. But do I think they have a right to choose that? Yes, because I believe that 
that's what their government decided upon. So I won't go live in New York because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a, a, a part of that. I don't want to pay my taxes to go towards something like that. But at the same time, you. Ha- I think that Alabama. I mean, if they want to do their thing their own way, I agree with them. If I so wanted to move to Alabama, then that would be my choice to do that. And then if those people in Alabama hate that law and they want to, they want an abortion then you can leave. That's the beauty of the United States. And if we're not careful, we're going to, we're going to, con- our, we're, let, we're voting in people at this moment who are trying to take away those rights more and more each day. So, yeah, and that's when I, I think that where I, I guess I get into arguments with pe- people about because it's like I'm anti-abortion personally on my uh, religiously on my own life but do I want the government to come in and tell you know have any say in that no I do not at all no exactly and it's something that it can cover any topic you want but it's like if getting back to maybe the left right paradigm right now or not paradigm but their animosity towards each other and the polarization that we're feeling and that we were discussing earlier it's like So the conservatives that want the government to step in and protect them from getting banned from these platforms and these companies, uh, companies, it's, you know, imagine giving your worst enemy the greatest power. And it's that that fear should be thought of every, every time you go to the voting booth. But. It seems like people, and I think it's been proven that people kind of do prefer some sense of security over their freedom, and they don't realize that that security is not actual security. It's tyranny, and it's going to be used against you in the long run. Yeah. You know, another person I got to meet the other week at Skankfest was Sam Tripoli of Tinfoil Hat, and so something that he, on the podcast, always talks about, and he's like my favorite lefty. (laughs) Like, he is on the left, but, like, he is awesome on so many levels, and that's because... What he sort of gets is that, no, we shouldn't be left-right arguing with each other. It's this top-down, and it's mm-hmm. this, the ruling class and the elites and these people who have all the power, it's them versus us. And us, we're all, if we all realize that we are on each other's teams because we are in these positions without power and, with, and all, of our, all that's happening to us is that our liberties keep getting stripped from us is mm-hmm. that we would be a lot more strong together than we are divided. And so, like, the yeah. divisiveness, I think, is very purposeful. It's keeping us distracted. It's keeping us angry. It's keeping us anxious. It's making us direct our violence, our disagreements, our animosity, and, like, showing the opposite of love and human compassion that we should be, that we want to really share with everybody. It's keeping, right. all, it's keeping all the positives at bay enforcing all the negatives and then it's distracting people from like what actually matters like what is the top doing and Mm -hmm. what is it especially like when they're showing a shiny object like what are they doing overseas exactly so that's like one of the reasons i love sam Tripoli. like he i i'm sure he and i he and i definitely actually have economic disagreements and what i think our government's role is in everybody's lives but you know, I think he's right about all the right things. I yeah, I uh, I definitely he's one of my favorites for sure because I've I have gone on the whole Sam Tripoli like rabbit hole on some of the things that he's talked about. But I definitely he he's he's not a capitalist for sure, and 
So that's one thing I definitely disagree with him on. But I was just thinking like a conversation that I had with my friend in Indianapolis as we were we were talking about the different presidents. And she said, this president we have right now is the worst president we've ever had. She's not alone in that that mentality. I think a lot of people think that. There's probably even some libertarians that kind of think that too. So it's not like she's alone in thinking that. But I, I, I was like, you just, first off, you forgot about all the other presidents that we've had before. And we're just now finding out things about those presidents. So what we have right now, we don't even know if he's the worst president, is what I was trying to say. He could very well be. I mean, when that... In 10 years after he's done, there may be things that get that WikiLeaks or some other group pull up and show us. Jeffrey Epstein just got arrested this weekend. So who knows? He may have some dirt on Trump right now that will definitely change my opinion on him. Or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but there's it's just not it's not a good idea. And I think when we're talking about like how to get along with people on the other end of the aisle. When you say things that are absolutes, like he's the worst, or this is literally the worst thing that could ever happen, and you're exaggerating things, he's always this way, she's always that way. Those are statements that need a qualification. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have that qualification with it, then it's probably a false statement. And on top of that, you're saying to people who let's say, did vote for Trump or do like Trump, that they're bad people too, that they are they voted for the worst president. So you're saying, well, your judgment is lacking when you say that kind of thing. You're insulting people that way. So, you know, with Stacey, I tried to be as respectful as I could by saying, okay, we've all, you, you forgot we have Trump or we have Bush before Trump. We've had Bill Clinton before. We've had... You know, there's things that we're finding out about Obama right now that his involvement with big banks, his best friends (laughs) and his friends. Yes. And their involvement in certain shady businesses. And then we can go even further back to Reagan, Carter, other Bush. Woodrow Wilson's probably the worst president we've ever had in, uh, in the world. But if somebody has any other worst, could think of somebody worse than Woodrow Wilson, please. I would love to hear it. But I'm serious. I'd love to hear it. Because I, I, I think about all that stuff. You know, when, we, when I finally kind of put, put that into perspective, I, don't, I, I think she realized I wasn't trying to attack her. I was just trying to say, let's put everything, let's put this timeline together and put it all in perspective here. Because, you know, we're adults, we have children, we have to think about our kids' future. Do we really want to sit down and think that we're living in the worst times? When people, my parents' generation or before, were, you know, going through the Great Depression, their, their lives probably were harder than what we are going through right now. Absolutely. And I would say that the people that were going through the Depression, they probably thought the president they had at the time or the time before that was the worst president in, <laughs> of all time mm-hmm. because of what they were going through. So I don't want to sit around and... and fall down those traps because I do enjoy spending time with people who disagree with me. My husband doesn't think so, but he, he and I can't talk about politics because he gets too heated, but he it's hard for him to understand where I'm like, no, really, tell me why you think what you're thinking. I'm curious to know the logic and reasoning that you use to come to this conclusion. I'm like that. And I think people 
don't know what to do with people like me because <laughs> they, they're so used to being attacked. They think that when I'm asking them a question, I'm like trying to formulate an attack on them. So maybe we need to be careful about how we say things. I know Stacy's told me many times I need to be, I come off as judgmental. I need to be careful about how I say things. It's probably true. And I am a little bit judgmental, but I think sometimes I, we all need to be judgmental about what we're told. I'm one of those people. I kind of don't forget things people say. And so, which, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard and I don't necessarily want to call it a grudge, but sometimes maybe it is a grudge or some kind of tally. And I'm just like, okay, well, so this person would throw me in a cage for X, Y, and Z. And so it's really hard for me to get over that sometimes, but... You know, I try to remember and kind of think of and use the mentality that you were using and that when looking at those Antifa people that might accidentally, I, I don't want to say accidentally, but like might incidentally kill somebody, they're victims too. So everybody on right and left is victim to incredibly strong propaganda and a good deal of, I don't want to say mind control, but heavy influencing from outside sources that is not true and is meant to manipulate and it is meant to divide and it's meant to make us enemies with each other when we shouldn't be at all and so i guess so something i try i try to remember that you know i i go in to every situation knowing that people are probably going to not disagree or not agree with where i stand and so i kind of um in a lot of instances i'll let people talk i'll let people say you know what they think i'll let people sort of express express exactly who they are. It's one of those things where I believe that I would rather see everybody's true colors than to not let them speak their minds and be as true as they feel like that they can be and authentically themselves. That's a lot of uh, angst. I wouldn't, uh, maybe not angst, but like a lot of frustration that'll build up in me listening to certain things that I've really wholeheartedly disagree with but so when I'm able to sort of respond to them I try to find the common ground I try to say something about the bigger picture and I don't know I'm not very obvious about when I do it at all but I try to say it in a way that might make somebody think about it again later Mm -hmm. and because I really it's it's all and it's been for me even a journey of self-discovery of self-inquisition of trying to figure these things out for myself and wanting to know uh, wanting to get to the bottom of things so it's one of those things where it and maybe that's the yogi in me that it's like I want everybody to have their own moments to themselves where they kind of can sort themselves out figure things out for themselves I don't know yeah. I try and just be as not forceful as possible I'm definitely like judging a little bit to myself and disagreeing internally yeah. very loudly <laughs> but I don't know it's like I really it's my wanting to change other people is more like me wanting to make sure I'm the best version of myself that I'm the most consistent I can be that whatever principles I say that I believe in I try to live them out myself like as perfectly as possible I did the Enneagram test and I'm a reformer and it's true and the reform reformation isn't myself. And so it's like, I kind of want everybody to be able to go through that, but you know, so I try to engage in as little of the screaming as possible. Yeah. Just because I think when everything's a little quieter, 
that actual intuition will take over as opposed to, you know, outside sources and influencers. So that's just me though. Well, I was thinking when you were saying that about the personality test, I have taken multiple personality tests and I always end up being like a very strong willed type of personality. Like on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ, which is like a very rare one for women to have. (laughs) Mostly it's like engineers and like scientists. And I was just thinking like, yeah, that's why I have a harder time, I think, because I'm always like this. I'm I'm a problem solver. I'm looking for a problem always. And that's not a good thing all the time. So I'm always like trying to correct the problem. And it comes off as judgmental. It comes off as you know, too much, especially for like, people don't want a woman to be like that. They want us to be more agreeable. And I'm not an agreeable personality. I'm so agreeable. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's something that gets me in trouble. It's got me in trouble all my life. Honestly, teachers were I've, I've had, I've had rows with bosses before that I because I lose respect for people in authority quickly. So that's a problem. That's probably why I'm a libertarian, to be quite honest, because I do not respect authority unless I, they give me a reason to. That's true. But I think there's like there, that both of our personalities are needed in society. That's why we have them. I think that there's a if you don't believe in God, there's definitely a biological or evolutionary purpose for people like us, because one of us is going to try to keep the peace and the other one's going to be like, wait a minute there's something wrong. We need to fix it. <laughs> How willing are you to adapt to those things is to the changes is kind of dependent upon your personality, but there's definitely problems with both of those types of personalities. But I think that we both try to quell the problem side and try to be more on the positive side. But I will say like, you know, you said you hold grudges and you're more lean on that. I'm I'm like, I'm ready to just move on. Like if you piss me off, you say something I don't like, I just give me a chance to say my piece. I'll try to correct it. And then if we can't come to an agreement, we'll just agree to disagree. That's me. So as strong as my personality comes on, I'm willing to just move on. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, I'm there, too, because, like, you know, both our mental healths require that. Yes. (laughs) And I think, you know, if that's the kind of same approach, so you and I might approach things differently, but all in all, at the end of the day, we both want everybody to be happier. We want everybody to be able to engage in the peaceful interactions that would make their lives more fulfilling. And yes, we're both voluntarists. We we want both sides to be in agreement with something i mean if we can't agree to agree then we can agree to disagree and we can still get along you know exactly Uh, there's a lot of people even within the liberty movement that i've had disagreements with and we've been able to move on you know we may not agree we may have to just you know ignore posts (laughs) here and there and we're fine But I think that's one thing that, especially in the liberty movement, we have to be careful because let's just face it, we're all a bunch of autistic (laughs) screechers sometimes. All a bunch of weirdos. (laughs) About certain things. So we all just need to be aware that we don't want to turn people away from our viewpoint because our viewpoint, that's the beauty about being a voluntarist is you can be pro-abortion or you can be anti-abortion. You can be a Christian. You can be an atheist. You can be 
I don't know, a traditionalist when it comes to male and female roles, and you can be a complete non-traditionalist when it comes to male and female roles. But that's the beauty of being a voluntarist is you allow these other people to have those viewpoints. But we, you know, we agree to disagree or we agree to agree on certain things. That's the beauty of it is allowing everybody to have their individuality. As long as you're not hurting someone else or hurting yourself, then we can all exist peacefully. I think like we can have those more peaceful interactions and have them be more part of our lives and kind of get back to smaller scale ideas and exchanges if we try and think about moving the power away from a centralized force so that it has less to do with you know what our view towards our neighbor might be than you know if we were to bring it back to the community and try to not outsource people to deal with our problems for us right yes i think it's definitely like all about the individual exactly and it can't be about the individual which it needs to be if it's about the national if you're too concerned about making everybody agree with you about yeah i agree about the national scale yes well it all comes down to the individual it all comes down to voluntary you know exchanges between people and respecting other people's differences consensual interactions we'll end it here i was just going to say that i like the fact that dave on the what is it the morning drive with dave he always will bring up different podcasts at the end so i was Mm -hmm. going to do that especially since i think that dave and cam and phil are all about to join into a triad with each other Ooh, yeah they've been talking a lot at the end of their podcast about each other. So I think it's pretty clear they're kind of flirting with each other a little bit. Mm, Adorable. I know. So Dave, if you really want just an unstructured, just kind of a funny, like, you know, look at life. And short. uh, Very short. Yeah. And it's probably your drive to work. He does the morning drive with Dave. He talks about different topics. He has more of a, obviously, a more libertarian lean on everything. There's the Make Liberty Great Again podcast with Cam and Dave. And like I said, they're all going to be, I think they're all going to have a triad soon. I mean, why not? Make a podcast, baby. I know. It's not Pride Month anymore, but, you know. We should be proud. It's Pride Year. (laughs) (laughs) And then what other groups? uh, On our network, we also have the Techno Agorist with Ryan Burgett. And thank you for your servers. Yes. Our servers? Thank you for your servers. All these smarter people than I taking care of topics yes. that are so beyond me that I can't <laughs> even get the name of the podcast right. So Yeah, that's Thaddeus, that's Thaddeus Preston, and Gary. I, I just lost his last name. Bless his heart, Gary. Gary. <laughs> They're both so smart, though, and they I love listening to their podcast if I want to learn about the news and text, tech stuff. So any other announcements? We will be, you know, a little bit unregular again for a couple weeks, but Jessie's got stuff up her sleeve, and, you know, hopefully I may have some surprises up mine, but if not, you can still follow us on Instagram. We'll be active there, whether we're able to record together or not. Instagram, Voluntary Vixens. Twitter, Vixens Voluntary. Feel free to email us in the meantime, voluntaryvixens at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon, but we're not... I. I have a few things uploaded onto our Patreon. I need to probably get a little bit more on top of that, but that's at 
uppercase V's Vixens underscore voluntary at Patreon. I'm hoping that maybe, yeah, I'm hoping that maybe we can do something creative with our Patreon so that it'll draw more attention there at some point. But that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you for listening to us. I know it's been a while since we've been here, but we've enjoyed all of you guys on, especially on Instagram, giving us feedback. I appreciate more feedback. I'd love to hear from you guys. So I guess that's it. All right, everybody. And Jesse, it's been fun. Just a reminder until next time and always keep it sane, keep it peaceful, keep it voluntary. Later. Bye.